Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. Do you want to win a $100 Amazon gift card? Well, enter your five-star review on iTunes for the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast and email it to me at hillary at pharmacyadvisory.com between now and January 1st for your chance to win the $100 Amazon gift card. Today's episode is a panel discussion to help students prep for pharmacy residency interviews. However, this content can be used for any pharmacist who is interviewing for a job. If you like what you hear and want some additional prep as you prepare for the residency process, we are hosting two online workshops to help students prepare for the residency interview process. Check out www.pharmacyadvisory.com resources to sign up for our online workshop on December 19th or January 15th. And now for our panel discussion. Awesome. Well, thank y'all for being here. And we're doing a live panel discussion on how to prep for residency interviews. Um, so I'm Hillary Blackburn. I'm the host of the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast, and we'll be moderating this awesome session today. We've got a lot of really great panelists here representing a couple of different organizations from around the Nashville area. Um, here to my left, we've got um, Dr. Kenneth Homeyer, and I'll let everyone introduce themselves and give a little bit of background about yourself as well. Um, Dr. Alicia Perry, um, Dr. Maggie DeVere, and Dr. Montgomery Green. Um, and also thanks to Belmont College of Pharmacy for hosting this event. Um, so if you're here uh, or listening to this, then you're most likely interested in pursuing a residency um, or postgraduate training. And many of these tips that we'll be talking about can also apply to any graduating student um, or anyone who's needing help with interview skills. So hopefully, if you're ready for residency, you know what type of residency you're interested in, um, whether it's a PGY-1 or community pharmacy residency. Uh, so the goal of this panel will be to cover some of the key points of some of the communication skills, uh, qualifications, and just how to be prepared. Um, so if we can go down the panel and everyone could maybe share a little bit more background about yourself and maybe your um, practice site or just kind of why you're on the panel today. Sounds great. Uh, so my name is Ken Homeyer and uh, I'm a faculty member at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center. Uh, our main campus is Memphis, but I'm actually here located in Nashville. And I'm here on the panel because I serve as the residency program director for our community pharmacy program, which is a little bit different in the way that it's set up versus maybe some of the other panelists, um, just because community pharmacy looks different from a hospital or health system uh, residency. So uh, UT has the umbrella curriculum for the community pharmacy program. 
but we actually partner with several uh, independent and chain pharmacy sites throughout the entire state of Tennessee. So we have uh, several uh, independent pharmacy partners in Knoxville that we work with. Um, our chain partner is Kroger. We have one here in Nashville where we're recording from, uh, and then one in Memphis as well. And so the resident will uh, match with just that one pharmacy uh, at uh, any of those locations and uh, can apply to one, two, or all of the residency sites. It's really up to you and what your location preferences are, and I'm happy to be here. I'm Alicia Perry, and I work for the HCA corporate offices, which is behind Centennial Park if you're in Nashville. Um, and if you're not in Nashville, we have hospitals in 26 states, plus or minus a few, because we're in a buying and selling mode at the moment. Um, and so right now, 26. And I am responsible for the corporate-based pharmacy residencies. I had the privilege of getting seven programs accredited over the last 10 years and have supported the accreditation of two additional programs that have happened in Nashville. Um, and then have some responsibility to encourage and support our facilities who are growing programs across the United States. Uh, we take students from uh, all the schools in Tennessee and have welcomed people up and down the East Coast. And so we think that uh, collaborative training across different um, organizations and different schools is the richest way to train. My name is Maggie DeVere, and I am the critical care pharmacist at St. Thomas Midtown Hospital, which used to be Baptist Hospital, one off of Church Street. I'm also the residency program coordinator for our PGY-1 program. And I'm Montgomery Green. Um, I am on faculty here at Belmont University in internal medicine and also serve as the AFHP SSHP advisor, which is part of my role in this, um, as we have a residency workshop and how to talk to as well, and I am also a residency preceptor at Williamson Medical Center, so have that perspective as well. Awesome. So we have a really diverse group. Um, well, let's first start with how to make a good first impression. So, Alicia, can you share maybe what makes the first or the best first impression when you're meeting students at ASHP uh, residency showcase? That is a very busy time. So I think that's a, a great question. You know, we started doing residency training. The showcase was a time where you could almost even pre-screen interview. But I don't feel like it's that anymore. I'd be interested in hearing my colleagues' perspectives on it. So I think for us, what makes a great first impression is uh, a confident introduction, um, good eye contact. You know, it, it's really what you would do on a first impression because then you've got to leave us with something and follow up well. Um, and that's, that's different than probably what most of your preceptors experienced. You know, I, I could walk the whole showcase in one day when I'm here at residency training. Um, you can't do that anymore. So I think that what you would do uh, to differentiate yourself if, if you were in a group of people networking is what you want to do in the showcase. So don't interview in the showcase. Meet me. But there's a lot of other people who need to meet me. So I think that's a good good thing to think through. Yeah, I would agree with Alicia. First impression is what you would think of as a first impression when you meet anyone. So a smile and a courteous greeting is probably the best thing that you can do. And then one thing that we talked about is there's so many people that you meet at the residency showcase 
and there will be programs that you maybe didn't think you would be interested in, but you might have some reason, something at their table that sparks your interest that you won't know that much about their program. And so, it, but for programs that you're seeking out, we want to know that you that you have seek, sought us out <laughs> um, for a particular reason, and that you've done a little bit of research. And so, so if if you're coming to talk to a hospital because you are interested in neonatology and you are so excited that they have a 35 bed level three level four NICU, then let them know, I'm really interested in your, I love that you've got this NICU program. Tell me more about that. As opposed to just saying, well, tell me about your program. Um, so if you have those kind of specific items that really draw you to a program, let them know. And then ask for more details about those specific things. And if I could just reiterate that, that point, the, the two points made there are very important. Time is very limited for us. Um, so moving quick is, is good for the introduction, um, but because we're in a digital age, it's not a bad thing, because all the stuff that we would have normally told you 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it's all available online. So coming to us prepared is so good. So, um, and I mean this in a very loving way, but remove from your vocabulary the phrase, tell me about your program. <laughs> it is the deaf phrase for residency <laughs> program director, because it means I'm completely unprepared for this conversation. I don't think you're important enough to go online and look up your website or on the residency program directory. Uh, to find out more information. Awesome. Those are all really good tips. Um, so what about, okay, you know, you get to meet a lot of students. It's, it is a little chaotic. There's just, there's over 20,000 pharmacists, student pharmacists, even pharmacy technicians that are all at ASHP mid-year. Um, so it is very overwhelming. Um, I personally went as a P3 and P4 just to kind of get ready for the fourth year. So after uh, the showcase, what might be the best method that they could follow up with you? Like what is most recommended or what, what has been kind of well received in the past that's worked well? I was kind of surprised at how few follow-up emails I got um, this past year. Um, I had a couple of people who did it immediately afterwards and just shot me an email and said that they enjoyed meeting me and learning about the program and talking about, you know, if there was something in particular that you discussed, throwing that detail in there. It, um, I would recommend it because then I said, well, these three people are, are really interested in our program. And I'm impressed that they took the time to email me after they met, after we met. Um, it doesn't have to be immediately after the showcase. It can be after you get back from the theater and think about like, oh, I really want to apply to that program. Send them an email and say, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. I really enjoyed getting to know you and look forward to applying to your program. And I think that thread of why you're interested that you already brought up um, in the, um, Maggie, in, the, in that first impression, you want to take that through because that's what's like giving us the impression. And I think it, it's what shifts you from going after, I'm putting this in quotes for those that are listening, you know, after a residency to those that are pursuing a job and career development is what, you know, what is it about us that is making you want to pursue it? You're not 
at the mercy of the match completely. Okay. And it, you're at the, you're at the mercy of the match, but it's in your favor. So if you've done all these things to pursue a job and the fit is nice, you know, uh, we got to talk a little bit beforehand and I think that was a good resonation for me. Fit is nice. It, it works well. Um, and there's always, there's always someone who was number two on the list. Right. And, th and that, that, that tends to work out too. But I think those who are pursuing residency training as your first job, it puts a completely different frame of reference instead of I'm just continuing my education. It is like, even this year, for those of us who are residency directors, we had to list our programs as a job. So ASHP is even taking that position now. Uh, and it, it really has always been the case, but I have found that over the last five years, there's been a waffle of understanding of that. Like you're still kind of extending your student training. Well, you are, but you're getting, you're an employee now. So that follow-up email indicates an intention for employment. Yeah, like I think that your program is a good fit for me because you want to find a good fit for you as well. Right. It's not all about like what we are looking for. So I think as soon as you walk away from the booth, there are all sorts of kind of places where you can kind of stand by yourself and making notes of, I spoke with this person, they were the residency director, we talked about this. And that way you can have that personal follow-up um, and keep track. And everybody that you talk to, if it's a resident, thank you for your time. Um, I really enjoyed your enthusiasm about your program. But in terms of fit, I think the good thing about mid-year is you are there to determine your fit to them. When you go on interview, they're determining your fit in their environment, but you're determining your relationship with them. And could this person be my coordinator for the next year? Could I interact with them on a daily basis and how do I feel there? So it is also some intangible, making a good first impression, um, but that intangible feeling of how, how well could I potentially get along with this person and learn from them. So you're kind of looking for that as well. I love your point about making the notes. I, I, um, most of us, unless we're a standalone program, don't go to mid-year every year. And I cannot tell you, every year I don't go, I get 15 emails from somebody saying, it was so nice to meet you at mid-year. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you me at mid <laughs> I'm glad you sent me a response. Thank you for interesting in my program. So I think it's really important to make notes. So they follow up well. They never met me. They met my resident or a preceptor that went to the mm -hmm. Yeah, and they and you all have cards yeah. there, so you can easily kind of keep track. And but I think you do keep track because you know we yes. hand out our information, and my name is on the handout. Yes. So keep track of who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and then bring it back into bring it back full circle when you apply to that program. You know, you have a cover letter opportunity to make it specific program. I met your resident, Jennifer, at mid-year, and we had such a great conversation about how she's enjoying this aspect of her residency, and that's exactly what I'm looking for. Um, so, customize your cover letter yes. to the program. Absolutely. We, we can tell <laughs> when they're not. They're very well written. but not customized. Well, that, <laughs> that is a good segue to our next question, which is, what are some tips that students should know about how to stand out with their cover letter and their CV? 
what makes a really good CV or cover letter? So um, I'll start with the, the cover letter. Cover letter is so important because it does the work for us, not that we don't want to do the work, but it makes sure we don't miss what it is about you and your CV, which applies to our program. So it's just a nice way of ensuring that you're getting across who you are to us. When you do that, very important, very, very important, because I see this in the majority of letters every year, that you don't just use qualifiers about you being a hard worker or a student, that you give examples from your background and experiences to back up every statement you make about yourself. So, you know, give an example from our, our resident, one of our residents this year, she may be listening, so I won't say names. <laughs> But you know, she talked about how she was able to be a good time manager because while she was in Farm D school, she was also on the volleyball team. And so she was managing being a starting volleyball player along with maintaining good grades and being active in student organizations. So not just I'm good with time management, but I'm good with time management because of reason X, Y, and Z. What about CVs or anything else to add on cover letters? I've gotten some I think I've interviewed people. I interviewed an Eagle Scout last year and I asked him about his, my brother's an Eagle Scout. And so I know what kind of work that takes. I asked him about that. And I think that I was the only person that he'd interviewed with that asked him. He was shocked that I asked. But to me, I know what kind of work that takes. And if you have an Eagle Scout, sure, it's not medical, but that's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And that shows a good work ethic that I want to be involved with. Um, I had someone else who was involved in parrot rescue and I was, I was like, that's a weird thing to put on your CV, but it was interesting about her and all of her, her you know, all of her other qualities qualified her for a residency. But, but that was the unique thing that stood out to me that I wanted, I'm kind of interested in her as a person in, in addition to as a resident. Um, so don't, don't be afraid to put other things that make you unique on your CV. But also, don't be afraid to toot your own horn and give yourself credit for everything that you have done on your CV. I know some pro a lot of programs use a rubric and give points for leadership, points for philanthropy involvement, and um, so don't be don't shy away from putting all of the different you know subcommittees of APHA that you have co-chaired or that sort of thing on your CV, because it may seem little to you, but it, give yourself credit for having done it in addition to your pharmacy school work. I could add on to that too, it's such an important point. Don't wait until your application is due to finish your CV. In fact, I even have this now just on my phone, an open document where I'm adding things that I've done yeah. or am doing, because you forget, but for some reason at 3.30 in the morning, you'll remember that you did something that needs to go on your CV and you need a place to put that in a central location to remember and then to add it to your CV later. And I think, you go ahead. No, I was gonna say, I think the most important point is to have someone review it. Yes. Have other eyes on it. There are typos all the time. Formatting can be off, but that's the most, if it's someone review your CV. ASHP has a program where mm -hmm. you can submit and, and do, and even mentioning that you've done that. Is a it's a it's a admission of collaboration and the need to have others to train you. It's a that's even a demonstration that you're teachable. Is that you're willing to let other people look at and contribute to your thing, to your work. I, I think too 
with your CV, I think it does matter to, I agree to add some of those other things because again, you're think, if you're thinking job interview, you want to look for someone who has work that's in line with the goals that you have. So what is the mission of our company? And if the mission, HCA is a big company of philanthropy and so, and art and uh, changing the, the human experience. And so if you're someone who loves that type of volunteer service, you want to put that on your CV because you're, you'd be connected with an organization who is, if you moved into a full-time career with HCA, that you'd always have opportunity to do that, which then connects back to your full cover circle. Letter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in your, you know, you want in your cover letter, tell us about you and go ahead and take that step. I love how you describe your seeing fit at showcase. We're doing fit and giving you an opportunity to see fit at interview. I think we want to know how our missions connected to your vision for your career. And so how you do your CV, you know, we, we have lots of colleagues who have a master CV and then as they, they even customize their CV as they're submitting. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you, just like you would do. And if you have the master, you could easily go, Oh, I don't know that they'd be interested in Right. <laughs> or, but it's important to you, you know, maybe you, you love, Again, philanthropy work and so board service is important to you to track, but then this particular organization is not. You don't have to include it. These are all really good tips. Something else that I've learned, you're, if you're applying for a job and it's at a big um, organization like HCA or Ascension or um, any other really large organization, they have an HR department that basically has a program that is running every CV through keyword search. So if you are looking for that, looking at that job application, you want your CV to have those types of keywords because otherwise you're not necessarily going to be selected to be able to, to interview. So it may not be the case with when you're applying for residency, but just keep that in the back of your mind for um, when you're applying for jobs. And this is crazy. I'm going to add this one thing because you made me think of it. We do get a lot of CVs and white space is valuable. Like I, I, I don't love a CV that is like filled from head to toe and I can't read anything. Like that's why it's good to have some people look at it. Just it's, it's valuable to have some white space. Well, we've, you know, grades are of course very important. That plays into whether you'll be even accepted for an interview and then you've you know, submitted your cover letter, your CV, all of those things in the application process. But who are you? And so, you know, personality really plays an important part of that. Uh, so when you're there on interview day, um, what are some of the characteristics that you all look for um, when residents come in for interviews and, and that would that make a good candidate? Genuine interest in the program and enthusiasm. What I've written down is those two right there. Say, genuine enthusiastic about the opportunity. So those are echoed. Anything else different to add? I think you have to, you have to work with these people for a year. They have to like you. You have to, we had a conversation the other day about how important it is to like someone and to have them around you all the time. And so I think if you're coming in, try not to be nervous. I know it's a, a nerve wracking um, 
scenario and sometimes you're asked questions that you may not have thought of the appropriate answer to or you might struggle with answering the question but try to be genuine and that you're genuinely interested and that kindness and your personality should show through and and make sure that, that you are you like you think people could get along with you they could have a conversation with you about the weather or about your dog and be you know it's Right, because this is a it's a year long commitment on both parties, and so yes. you want to look at that person and say, "Is this going to be a year of whatever this experience was that we just had in the interview?" Mm -hmm. That's so important. The fit thing kind of comes back to that. So, and I will add, there will be times when it seems like a very casual environment, like you may have casual time with the residents or, or alone time with the residents, where it's not a stuffy interview process. Don't lose your professionalism. Well, they be you, and you can you know laugh and have fun, but don't don't lose your don't lose sight of the fact that you're still on an interview. It is a part of the process, and I think we, we do have that every year where we have someone who I think that they realize they're still interviewing, and I think that goes back to like your professional choices. Is you know we were trained that you're always on an interview. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually on an interview with the residents I'm training because I could be working for those residents one day. So really, if you begin to approach that, of would I like, would they want me to work for them? Would I like them to be my supervisor? And will they want to stay and work with right. me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, all these yeah, to, to, to stay on. I think there's a, you know, how, does your language change when you lose the presence of certain people? Are you quick to share what you do better than your current student colleague or resident colleague. Those are kind of things to be thinking about. And that goes back to that genuineness and kindness. Would you, would you want other people saying or doing those things about you? I think it's a good perspective. But yeah, every part of our entire day is scorable for our the entire day. And, and you all may have heard this already, but, um, ASHP especially, that entire time from arriving to the airport, literally at the airport, to the meeting, and until you were back in your car by yourself, you were within earshot of at least one pharmacist at any time. And that one pharmacist is one degree away from any one of us. <laughs> or on the, the plane ride. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. So are there any bad qualities that, you know, you've maybe had in a former resident or maybe that, you know, you, that would easily kind of X someone off the list if maybe they came in on interview day and maybe weren't professional or. Um, uh, no New York Yankees fans. <laughs> <laughs> Typically. That's true. I think a lot of what they were saying are what to do and what not to do and bad qualities versus good qualities. I think it's the opposite of those. Um, yeah, I was thinking we have had experiences where, you know, there's um, an undertone of sexism in the way that a person presents a story, um, whether or not it, you know, it was their interaction that they're telling you about with someone else and there's, um, that undertone that you can kind of pick up just from talking to those people. So I think um, 
keeping all of that in mind is what not to do. I think chewing gum is a bad quality of an interview <laughs> for chewing gum while you're sitting there. Um, all things that happen. Uh, so I, I think all of those kind of bad things that you would just interview etiquette. Mm -hmm. And if you're driving there and you don't know how long it's going to take you, leave 20 minutes earlier than you think. Yeah. Get there at least 15 minutes early just so you know where to go, you're not flustered, all of that kind of stuff. Um, all right, so let's talk about the match. So usually that happens in March. There's a special day and you get, you know, your email. I don't know if anybody has ever participated in maybe Rush at, when you're in college, but I liken it to that. So, uh, for many, it's a really exciting time. Um, there's, you know, the algorithm, all of uh, the residency programs, pick who they want, you're picking who you want, and all of that gets matched up. So what happens when a student does not match? I asked this question, for this question to be here. Um, we participated in the second round, and I think Alicia has too. So the second round of the match is new as of three years ago, I think. And so um, it is a very compacted interview, residency of application interview and matching process all into a, about what, maybe three weeks. Um, and so you have a finite amount of time to look at the programs. And as soon as you find out that if, if hopefully, None of you have to go through it, but as soon as you find out that you didn't, you'll get a list of programs, you'll get access to a list of programs that have open spots. And then um, the match opens again for applications to those programs for the second round. They will likely set another deadline, and also they will likely be inundated with new applications. Perhaps more than the first. It's true. We had we had four times the number of applications yeah. for our one open spot than we did for our first round. Wow. Um, so what I would say to that is broaden your reach now. Yes. It's a great point. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. And you know people. Pharmacy, you'll hear this a million times, is a small world. The second that we get as faculty, and I'm sure other schools do the same thing, the second we get the list of the programs that were not matched, usually one of the students who didn't match provides that list with us, we send out a mass email and say, who do you know at this program? Can you call so-and-so? We have people from east to west, mm -hmm. and if we can call and make a personal, or have an email, or make a personal phone call, we have um, contacts all over the place, so utilize those contacts, because they're much more likely in this inundation of hundreds of applications to say, oh, I did residency with Montgomery, and she called me about this person. Let me, you know, check their application out. I cannot, I cannot emphasize that enough because it's hard to give a second look to every application that you have so you have to go by something mm -hmm. and when someone that you know contacts you and says this is a great student I don't know what happened or maybe she just didn't cast a wide net or when the student reaches out and you don't have to reach out multiple times but when you have send a genuine 
really interested email to the RPD, then that counts for something too. So if you are at a school and nobody knows anyone at that program, just send an email to the RPD. And, and but do your homework first. Yeah, I love the, the genuineness of it because we, we had someone in our one of our PGY2 programs that came through the second and she was honest. She said, I, I'm sorry, I, you would have been probably my first choice in the first round but I didn't understand who you were and shame on me for not calling you and figuring that out. And that was refreshing, you know, just, and, and we actually revised our marketing materials after she said that. And we ended up getting her in the second phase, but she didn't apply in the first phase. And so she said, and cause you're always thinking, why are they so interested now when they weren't the first time she told us, she just kind of straight out said, I didn't even really know you existed. I talked to one of my advisors at school and they said, why haven't you thought that yet? So it was, it was a great, honest conversation and fair. And it, it impacted how we, again, how we market our materials. So we use your feedback for that as well. So All good last thing to say on that is just, you know, phase two is not a penalty. It is mm -hmm. no reflection yeah. on no. Uh, you all or for us for that matter. It's, yeah. it's still trying to find the right fit. Yeah. And I, I would, if you, I, if you find yourself in phase two, the very first thing I would do is check to see if the program that you really wanted is still open. Um, because you might, maybe they were tied. You were their number two, but really they, if they had had two positions, you would have been their number one also. That happened to us this year. And uh, we had a position that opened. There was everything I could to find the person who was number two. Um, and, and we were able to repurpose a position to get that person. So don't take it as a reflection on yourself initially. Just check first. Maybe something didn't work out and they didn't know that you were that interested, you know? And as a program, we would better get an excellent candidate in the second round than rank someone that we feel is not a fit for us. Absolutely. Um, there are way too many great. Wow. That being said, I don't want to scare everyone. <laughs> and the vast majority of staff yeah. does make it in the first round. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that you all got that information because I, because it is so new. I don't think people understand quite the um, quite what it's like in the second round. Comes along. And a lot of being successful in the first round comes with being strategic in your selection and matching those interests but also when we say WADMET do not have a 25 program no no but be strategic <laughs> in the types of programs you're applying to everybody is going to apply to the top tier mm -hmm. level one trauma academic medical center so mm -hmm. be mindful of that you're going to see that at mid-year their booth is going to be overflowing you're not going to be able to find someone to talk to the application numbers are going to look the same so if that's what you really want then you're probably going to need to cast a wider net or potentially consider other types of programs that might have um different types of applications which might better match your interests. Right. You know, we uh, we were recruiting this year. I've got one of our residents are here with us, and um, I think she could share this. But we ran into a student who, for the first time in a long time, said, "Here's the truth. I want to be a hospital pharmacist. I just want to be a hospital pharmacist. And I think it'd be great to train at an academic medical center. I that's where I sought after. That's where I went. But I'm a community pharmacy. I'm a community hospital pharmacy residency program. So." It would be very strategic for that student to apply to community hospital pharmacy residency programs. So it, it is good to think through that strategy. 
that's I think I'm glad you said the number. Yeah, I would don't do twenty five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, time yeah. yeah, you don't, and we can't <laughs> we can't accommodate your request to reschedule your like we have two interview days. So you're also going to be in a place where you're mm -hmm. having to say no to people you really want to go to. This is such great information, and um, yeah, you and I know that Montgomery has to head out. Um, but kind of as our like lightning round, maybe you guys could share what is your final piece of advice and your favorite interview question that you like to ask students. So, um, final piece of advice for me is just remember it is all about fit. We've said it several times already, but you're looking for fit. And, and that means to find a good fit, you have to be yourself. So as difficult as that is, and I know it's very difficult advice to take as you go into a very nerve-wracking period of your lives, but please do be yourselves because that's the best way we can tell if it's a good fit on our side and, and we'll promise to be the same. We'll be genuine and let you know who we are so you can decide if you're a good fit for, uh, if we're a good fit for you. Favorite interview question, oh, that's a tough one because I'm not a huge fan of all the behavioral questions that we ask. Yeah, you know, I don't, I think obviously you all hate them probably more than we do, but we're not big <laughs> fans either on this side. Um, one that we do ask, not all the time, but I do like because it gets interesting answers is, what's a, uh, a recent news article that you've read? Something that's outside of pharmacy, just to show us, you know, what's, what's of interest to you all and you know, do you, do you have the ability to sort of critically think in today's kind of world where there's um, what the economy is doing or what's a new scientific advancement? And, and um, you know, pharmacy is a piece of a larger picture, right? So, um, and the majority of what you're going to be doing as you engage with other people on our teams um, may not always be specific to pharmacy. So we want to make sure you have that sort of outside perspective on. This is a it's a it's a behaviorally bent question but the intent behind it is not it's really um and i'm with you it's hard because we we just want you to tell us about yourself so those behavioral questions were meant to help you be more genuine in the <laughs> process you know um so for us i think the one question we use often is to give us as a student a time where you had an intervention that involved a conversation with the physician um, and for us, that question is important because it shows you going up a gradient that you might really be uncomfortable with. Um, so I think when people, my advice would be, when you're being asked questions, think about ways that you can tell us about you. You know, even if it's, this was really hard for me to do, but I pressed through and I did this because X, Y, and Z, or I love talking with you know, different people. So I think it just, I'd leave you with that. It's just that it doesn't hurt to pause in the interview and think about what is it they, what how can I answer so they know more about me? Um, and again, I, I, I get the residency year to learn about your life. So I don't need that in the interview. I need to learn about you to know, do we want to train you to learn about your life? So every phase of the the process, you know, showcase, first impression, interview, learn about you, are you a fit, training here, think to learn about your life. Well, I, as I stated before, if there's something strange on your CV, I'm going to ask you, that's the first thing I'm going to ask you. Um, but if- Goes to, uh, how, do you have hobbies outside well, of right, pharmacy? Exactly. Yeah. 
so, um, but I think the, my favorite, we ask a lot of behavioral questions as well. And um, so just, you know, think about your experiences in all of your rotations and, and things that you're really proud of that you were accomplished for patients or situations that you overcame something that you were really nervous about. Think about those and be prepared with that. Because evidently you can expect that from all three of us. <laughs> but I think my favorite is, um, of those is to tell us about a mistake that you made that perhaps you could have gotten away with, but you told your supervisor or preceptor anyway. And if you don't have a pharmacy example, it's okay, it's okay. to give a life example. You don't have a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. You guys were so great. Thank you for being on the panel. I hope that it was valuable for all of you you were listening and um, thank y'all for being a good audience. That kind of concludes our uh, formal discussion, but if y'all have any individual questions that you might have for any of the panelists, I'm sure that anybody would be willing to answer any other questions as we're kind of wrapping up. So. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. If you like what you heard and want some additional prep as you prepare for the residency process, we are hosting two online workshops to help students prepare for the residency interview process. Check out www.pharmacyadvisory.com resources to sign up for our online workshop on December 19th or January 15th. And now back to our sponsor, TheraWorks Relief, which I have happily recommended to family and friends. And they have had much success when dealing with muscle cramps, as have I. Check it out over at theraworksrelief.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.